Hi, I'm Jerry Chen, partner with Greylock, and I'm here with Venkat, co-founder and CEO of Rockset. Venkat, Rockset just raised her Series B from Sequoia and Greylock, and we've been lucky enough to be investors from the seed round and the A round, which we both led with our friends at Sequoia. Tell us, what is Rockset? You say it's a real-time database. What is that? Thanks, Jerry. It's been a pleasure working with you and Greylock. We're big fans of the firm and, and you. So thanks for your support and continued uh, confidence in us and, and the company and the product. What is Rockset? Rockset is a real-time cloud database built for modern data applications that needs to work at massive scale and with very little operational overhead. Before we dive into Rockset and how it's built, you mentioned this modern data applications for the cloud. Give us some examples. What are these modern data apps and, and what are the problems they're facing today? Like why aren't solutions today good enough? Let me give you a couple of examples. So imagine you know, you're a real-time supply chain company that you're building a real-time supply chain for, let's say, heavy construction and about 80% of concrete uh, poured through the U.S. Uh, are being tracked you know, in your system. And you're trying to build part of your application that needs to search across, you know, hundreds of different million job tickets that are flowing through your system. They're getting updated in real time using very modern cloud solutions like, let's say, Amazon DynamoDB and, and whatnot to be able to track and use it as a system of record. But there's a lot of parts of your real-time supply chain application itself that are analytical, right? Like searching through what's happening, what's leaving a particular job site and give a status update on things like that. And so how would you build something like that? And you probably, you know, go set up an Elasticsearch cluster, but then all of your data is being managed in Amazon DynamoDB. And so you start thinking about how do I, in real time, replicate all of the data from Amazon Dynamo to, to Elasticsearch. And, you know, you start duct taping together a, a complex Rube Goldberg machine uh, to be able to, you know, power uh, what you want to power. And at that point, you know, you probably start searching the internet on saying, is that a simpler way? You know, can I do it uh, simpler? And another example is, let's say you have a very good data practice and you're like a leading hedge fund and you, you get data from hundreds of different sources every night. You're munching through this and you use modern kind of snowflake and data bricks and modern data stack in the cloud to munch through the data. But at the end of it, you have like a multi-terabyte data set that you really want to put it in the hands of every single analyst, every single investor in your company to make the best decisions that they can. These snowflake-like systems are pretty fast, you know, relatively speaking. So they, the, the queries come back in two to five seconds, but it's a very relative term, right? Uh, you want this to be sub-second and really, really fast. So these are the kinds of applications that demand both speed and scale, right? The data sets are larger and expected interaction time for data that these applications are demanding are in sub-second, right? And so when you pick speed and you pick a, a single node, MySQL, Postgres, or systems like Elasticsearch, you really compromise scale because the minute your data scale gets larger and larger, your operational complexity goes through the roof, right? And so there's a lot of cost and complexity that comes in there. And invariably, it becomes ridiculously expensive. I always say with enough trust, pigs can fly, but it doesn't mean you should do that and doesn't mean it makes right sense. So you need to be building applications on a backend that is built for applications and not abuse your warehouse to power your applications. I love that line, if with enough thrust, pigs can fly. And it's 2020, Venkat, so I expect to see pigs flying out my window anytime now. But, <laughs> you know, I have this, this saying that it's the right side of history, that the only thing that's inevitable in this world, besides pigs flying maybe, is more data is going to be generated at higher rate, higher speed. So what you're describing, these modern data apps, is 
like you said, speed and scale, just faster data, faster response times. We're not talking about dashboards. We're talking actual applications. It's been a long time since I had to develop an application VanCap, but traditionally there are two types of databases, like OLAP databases for analytical workloads and OLTP databases, like relational databases for like operational workloads. And like you said, there's a trade-off between speed with my you know OLTP databases and scale for my data warehouses. So help me understand, like, why don't those two categories make sense anymore in this modern cloud data app world? I mean, if you think about it, why doesn't it make sense is because transaction processing is very hard to scale. It is just fundamentally locks on top of locks on top of locks. I mean, it's just software-wise, the requirement that the technology has to keep up with is so demanding that it is very, very hard to give you transactional semantics and also make it scale. And warehouses are really storage optimized, right? They are not optimized to power applications. And there's a good reason because you do need a system that can store petabytes of data and do occasional query processing every night. You're never going to not need that, except that those kinds of systems are optimized for storage and not optimized for compute, which is what you need for an application backend. Interesting. It totally makes sense. So a data warehouse like Teradata, Redshift, or Snowflake can never power an uh, application because, like you said, they're optimized for storage costs and you know queries that take one or two or three seconds. And you and I both know that if you had to wait like two or three seconds for your mobile app to load or web page to load, we would like be on to the next thing. And then on the flip side, you're right, a relational database, which we know is really fast, was never meant to scale to the cloud, never meant to be these big data apps. So how do you break this kind of guns versus butter curve? You know, if you think about Econ 101, guns versus butter, you, there's this speed and scale curve that these databases have to exist along, right? What was the inspiration to kind of break this barrier, if you will? You know, one of our customers said that uh, the speed thing you're, you're talking about is like, look, if our internal tools are slower than Instagram, no one is going to use it. Like if it's going to take more than a second or two to load, you're just not going to interrogate with your data and make data-driven decisions because it's too slow. And it's, you know, you might as well guess and it's faster. Guessing is faster. <laughs> you know, if it's, uh, if it's, you know, so that's kind of like the, the true inspiration that came is really, you know, we've seen this kind of movie before at Facebook and Google where we, you know, we had a chance to, you know, be in the early days and hyper growth years and, and build a massively scalable data systems. You know, we saw the movement from batch to real time there. We saw the movement of the power of real time indexing, which is basically what powers Google search and Facebook newsfeed. Uh, if you look what is underneath the covers. And so we didn't invent this. We just saw a lot of this in the early days of what happened at, at Facebook firsthand because we helped build some of those systems in our past lives. Oh, that's super interesting. I mean, like you're right. If, if Google is basically a database for the internet, and we all know how fast that is, right? You do a Google search, and if that answers and respond in milliseconds, not a second, milliseconds, I'm on to the next thing. And if I search my Facebook news feed for a photo or a name, if that's not back in milliseconds, I'm on to the next thing. And so if you think about Google as a database for the internet, really that's inspired, right? And their secret sauce, like you said, is the index the whole internet. Facebook indexes your entire feed, the entire social graph you have. So... Roxette, then you say, by that logic, is kind of inspired by uh, Google infrastructure or Facebook infrastructure in the back end where you guys worked at Facebook. The front end 
it looks like a normal SQL database, right? You do joins and, and normal queries. So it looks like a database, speaks like a database with SQL, but the back end looks more like Facebook or Google, which is super fascinating. Google indexes the web and gives you a text box that you can type anything and it comes fast. We index your enterprise data in real time and give you a text box, except that in our text box, you can type SQL. Uh, and that's really the, the best way to think about it. And so if you look at our backend architecture, the storage backend of Rockset really resembles a distributed search engine more than any other system in the world, except the innovation comes in putting a distributed SQL query engine on top of that, that understands how the data is indexed and speeds up any SQL query you throw at it out of the box without any administration or index maintenance and tuning and what have you. So out of the box, you point Rockset at your data, it indexes the data into and turns it into fast SQL tables. And if you know SQL, you can build an app in, an, in, a, in a minute with Rockset. So a lot of the Rockset core engineering team came from Facebook. So maybe talk a little bit about this inspiration for what you saw at Facebook and, and how that led to the founding of Rockset. Absolutely. Uh, very blessed to work with some fantastic people that have built massively scalable you know, data systems in, in our past lives. I was managing online data infrastructure uh, myself from you know, 2007, 2008, when Facebook had 30, 40 million monthly actives users to 2015, when it scaled to about a billion and a half people. Our co-founder, Druba, helped start the Hadoop file system project back in you know, 2006 or something, and really helped start the whole big data movement that happened. And then Druba also started the RocksDB project, and every self-respecting distributed database that have been created in the last decade or so, that is a testament to the quality of the work that this team has done. And Tudor is amazing. Tudor was the principal you know, creator and founding engineer for the backend called Unicorn at Facebook. And all things search, from type ahead to post search to everything um, in Facebook is powered by the backend that uh, he helped start and, and spearhead. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of you know, massively scalable, really performant systems that we have had the chance of you know, building and scaling in the past. And a lot of those lessons and um, like experience has definitely guided us. The biggest difference, I would say, between the systems that like, let's say, uh, Unicorn or you take uh, even Facebook Newsfeed, or even Google Search, I would say they're all special purpose indexing systems. They are all built for powering one application. And that application is so demanding, it makes sense to build something very custom and scalable. And the biggest innovation with Rockset is that putting a SQL layer on top instead of some custom ad hoc, highly specialized, you know, newsfeed runs one query, you know, which is show me everything from my network, right? That happened in the, in the recently. It makes sense to have a system like this in this day and age, uh, especially in the cloud. So that's interesting. So the inspiration was kind of this purpose-built indexing for speed, for real time, as you described, from Facebook and Google. But at Rockset, you took that kernel of idea and expanded it to be a general purpose real-time database. And so maybe we can talk about these insights. I know there's kind of three pillars I think about Rockset. There's this converged indexing, which we talked about before. There's this distributed SQL on top of it. So it is a general purpose database. And then what's probably undervalued out there, it, it's serverless. It's easy to use, easy to scale. You can scale compute or up and down with a touch of a button, which basically gives your developers superpowers. So maybe talk to me about these three pillars. Yeah. So this is a general purpose indexing kind of algorithm that we came up with. 
And the challenge is this, when uh, real-time streams are coming in, nobody can pause the world and say, ultra table, add column, blah, because now my feed is now having this one more attribute. No, it has to just learn itself, you know, uh, learn the schema needs to be discovered on the fly. And nobody can pass the world to because you know oh a column change types or something like that right so the converge indexing really allows us to index the data without knowing the shape of it ahead of time and the distributed query engine that you talked about is massively distributed and so every query let's say you have a three-way join on a massive data set in 1.2 milliseconds rockset parses the sql shreds that into fragments which is little pieces that comprises that work that you know we have to do to kind of like run the sql and actually schedules it on a, on a distributed backend, which is actually an event-driven reactive execution framework that is built in C++ for high performance. And so that whole thing happens in 1.2 milliseconds, right? And so the result of that and the, and the serverless kind of like building all of this to make it easy operational use, uh, what happens is that you can basically say on a push of a button, say scale the compute independent of the hot storage in which your indexes are stored. Right. And so the aha moment a lot of our customers have, which is when they are like, oh, my God, this is amazing, is let's say they start up doing a POC. They're kicking the tires on, a let's say, a 16 CPU instance, virtual instance in Rockset. And then they're like, well, the queries are take starting to get slower as I load more data. Well, I wonder what a 32 CPU instance would do. And then they push a button a couple of minutes later, you know, without failing any query uh, live, it is now scaled up to 32 CPU and all of their queries instantly get to 2x faster. Right, and this is enabled by the distributed query engine because it it runs everything leveraging all the parallelism that is inherently available in the resources provision, and so that flexibility is only possible that we could give it in the cloud because we can spin up and the fluidity of the hardware uh, is is only available in the cloud, and so I think leveraging that uh, to the fullest extent, um, you know, Rockset is not cloud first uh, or cloud native, like we are cloud only. <laughs> we cannot run anywhere else because we leverage the fluidity of compute and fluidity of storage in the cloud so much. That is why we were able to build uh, a serverless solution with very little operational overhead. I think Rox is probably the first purely cloud native databases that are, were built architecturally to take advantage of the server compute disaggregation for speed and performance in the cloud. And I, I talk to developers, I, I say to them, if you like you know, indexing solutions like Elastic, you'll love Rockset. If you like SQL solutions like Presto or, or Druid, you'll love Rockset. If you like the ability to scale up compute and storage independent like Snowflake, you're really gonna love Rockset, right? Because you take a lot of those concepts of indexing and to SQL and compute storage disaggregation, and you really take it to a whole nother level, if you will, in terms of using those architectural insights from the previous generation, combining them all for this kind of real-time database. So when we talk about this real-time database, we keep talking about speed and scale. Give us some examples. What do you mean by speed and scale? That I was talking about the real-time supply chain at the earlier in the call. And this customer came, uh, they had hundreds of millions of records maintained actively in uh, DynamoDB. They pointed Rockset at it. And by day five, they were able to build the search application that we're talking about. So in terms of speed here, the first thing that I'll say is, is developer velocity, is how quickly they were able to take their new product to the market. And in their own words, Rockset took their six month roadmap and compressed it to a single afternoon. And let me talk about performance in terms of infrastructure speed. The hedge fund use case is also real, a pay, you know, a very happy customer of Rockset. 
they were actually building these web applications on top of Snowflake and they had two to five second queries and they looked at it and said like, hey, I don't need real time, but can your indexing tech make my web app faster? Because uh, they had some dashboards where they were you know, rendering 40, 50 graphs in a single page. And if everything takes two to five seconds, do the math. It's really, really slow. Definitely not faster than Instagram. So they came in, day one, they pointed rocks at their data set, everything got, you know, in a couple of hours, everything was set up. And when they did the performance evaluation, two second queries were completing in 97 milliseconds. So it was not two times faster, it was 20 times faster. And then we looked at it and we were like 97 milliseconds. That sounds slow because it was custom built for like the kinds of applications that we envisioned always. And so we tweaked a couple of things and and by the second week, their application now runs where the queries take 18 milliseconds, right? So we took one eight milliseconds, one eight milliseconds, right? So, so out of the box, no tuning required, you know, your two second snowflake queries don't get and run in one second. If that's all we can do, you should continue to build apps on snowflake, right? It got hundred times faster, but here is the icing on the cake. Rockset was able to get that application hundred times faster with one fourth the compute spend that they had on Snowflake. Because again, we're compute optimized. We are not faster than Snowflake because we can somehow magically scan huge volumes of terabytes of data faster than them. We work very, very hard to never ever do a scan if we can if we can get away without doing a scan, right? We're really compute optimized. We index your data, we just don't store your data, and we do that in real time. And that is where the power comes from. And so we're really compute optimized. Your applications will fly, your APIs will fly, and you don't have to do a lot of tuning and you can very, very quickly build your applications and scale in Rockset. That's amazing. So it's milliseconds, not seconds. It's terabytes of data, multiple terabytes of data at scale and at speed. So if I'm a developer, why would I not use Rockset? So who are the kind of developers or customers that are a natural fit for Rockset versus either OLTP or, or even a data warehouse? Great question. We are not a transaction processing system. So if you need transaction processing and you're keeping bank balances and you're maintaining inventory in a warehouse where you can sell one product is left and you can sell it to one person and not five people at the same time, you definitely need a system of record that has you know transactional capability. And that is not Rockset. If you have petabytes of data and you need nightly jobs doing reporting, you need a data lake, you need a warehouse. You know, there's lots of good systems out there, you know, and Snowflake is a very, very good warehouse. So continue to use it as a warehouse, especially when you have petabytes of data, you need something that is optimized for storage and not optimized for compute because storage is the one that you're spending money all the time in those use cases and not compute. So you optimize storage and, you know, and then you dynamically spin compute up and down. Right. And for everything else, there is Rockset because everything else is an application that is dealing with a lot of data and you need to be able to build a system that is optimized for compute because applications don't have an off button. And that's when, when you're spinning, burning compute all the time, the cost of the compute is going to be 10 to hundred times more expensive. And so that is really the, the sweet spot for Rockset. I think the world is moving more and more into ba- from batch to real time. And the minute you go to real time, you're not really building a real-time static dashboard. Every single one of those real-time use cases is actually an application. And some applications are internal within your company that your, you know, your product team uses, your marketing team uses to make operational decisions every day. 
And some of those applications are even your end user, your end customer facing. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're all applications, which has no off button. Venkat, can you give us some real life examples of these modern data apps taking advantage of this kind of speed scale ability of, of Rockset? Who, who are using Rockset right now? The examples that we talked about, like the real-time supply chain company, it's Command Alcon. It's, a, it's our customer. We love them. They're great. And uh, they've been a big fan of Rockset and already using us in production. They are the ones that you know are indexing in real time. We also have Ritual, which is an e-commerce company that sells uh, multivitamins. Think of it as like Dollar Shave Club for uh, multivitamins. A huge fan of of their product of the company. And the funny thing is, uh, you know, Command Alcon is, uh, is is was seriously considering Elasticsearch, and as soon as they saw Rockset, they ditched it and, and came to us and. I don't think they're going to ever manage an Elasticsearch cluster, uh, you know, ever again for any of their applications. And Ritual is already a Snowflake customer, and they really like Snowflake for the warehouse, you know, use cases. And and they really wanted to build a personalization engine for their e-commerce experience for their uh, for their customers on every interaction and every campaign that they want to run. And all of that is getting powered by Rockset. We've seen this move towards roll time from batch everywhere, stream processing, technology like Kafka, et cetera. Those are all becoming kind of default parts of modern data stacks out there as well. Talk to me more about where do you see Rockset fitting in this ecosystem of roll time technologies? That's a great question. So Rockset is probably the, the only sync you need to build any real-time application from real-time data acquisition technologies, like let's say Kafka, on one end of the spectrum, and let's say things like segment on the other end of the spectrum. And that is another popular source that's like more on the from the SaaS side that we love the company, we love what they do, and congrats to them for their acquisition, uh, recent acquisition, but that is another very, very popular real-time source. And we are the only sync that can keep up with the scale that they have in real time. And so we can power a lot of uh, applications downstream where we are the serving tier for that real-time data. I think Kafka, is definitely kind of like spearheading this movement towards batch to real time. What Kafka really enables is for customers to acquire their data in real time, right? Putting it to work, answering questions very, very quickly on the data that you're acquiring, that's where we come in. And so I would say, you know, when you are acquiring a lot of data through Kafka, you have a Kafka topic with a single click, Rockset will turn your Kafka topic into a fast SQL table in the cloud. Right. And so we definitely, I think, are a very, very good match. And it's one of the most popular uh, ways. Uh, Kafka and Kinesis and Amazon are very popular real-time data sources that we work with already. And we have managed connectors for both of them. Uh, we have a gold verified Kafka connector in Confluent Hub. Go check us out. So yeah, we definitely fit in this ecosystem. In terms of stream processing, Rockset is not have anything built in. So we definitely expect some kind of a stream processing engine upstream from Rockset. But the output of your stream processing definitely need to be parked in a serving tier from which you're going to be serving your applications. What about stream processing technology like Spark in the Databricks ecosystem? You mentioned Segment as uh, collecting SaaS data, Kafka as another way to kind of collect your, your streaming data. And you have stream processing technology like Spark and, and obviously Databricks as another kind of pseudo data warehouse out there. Do you see customers using you guys in, in that configuration as well? In stream processing, the way I think about it is it works really well when you have a preset 
data streams coming in and a preset set of questions that you always will need answers for, right? So instead of you running a nightly job and, and getting a report, you have, you know, you basically just say, let's say I need to maintain a whole bunch of bean counters. <laughs> you know, when any, anytime something happens and you have a bunch of dashboards and the counters just go up in real time, I think that that use case is very big. There's a lot of companies that need that. And so stream processing is very, very useful. And that's their sweet spot when you know the shape of the data and the exact questions that you want to ask on that data in real time. What Rockset is trying to disrupt is that unless your scale is massive, unless you're talking about tens of billions of rows per day and you need to basically do processing on you know, trillions of records, if you can get away with you know, indexing the raw data and very efficiently you know, answering the questions that you do have uh, on the fly, the flexibility that you get out of the system and if you include the human cost to your TCO, because you always have more questions, right? When you have a bean counter, it suddenly goes up faster than you expect or, or goes uh, down uh, you know, faster than you expect or something changes. And you have now thousand questions on why. And a bean counter uh, pre-aggregated kind of system can never answer those questions, right? And that's where the human cost is paid. So now every question I have, every hypothesis I have to test whether or not, is that the reason? why adoption or growth is going down or, or conversion uh, are falling through the roof. And every one of those questions, let's say if it's 20 minutes away from you getting an answer, how quickly are you going to be able to get to the answer? How quickly do you start guessing and scrambling? What's the lost opportunity there? And so those are the situations where Rockset is a completely game changer because this is not possible with any other system out there. Got it. Okay, so we've talked about stream processing. We talked about Kafka. We talked about data warehouses. And we talked about relational databases. There are some other categories that kind of look and smell like a database, but not really. Things like Elastic or, or Druid or Pinot. How does that fit in the ecosystem? And, and when would you use one something like that? And when would you use Rockset? I think fundamentally, you know, if you take Elasticsearch and Druid, they're all built for on-prem world. They're not really built for the cloud, right? So the biggest thing that we hear from our customers is the operational complexity for these systems, right? And the minute you need one of these stack, get ready to hire an operations team and get ready to write performance reviews for them every six months, right? And so that's the real big problem with these stack. And they're not really built for the cloud and they're extremely complicated to operate and maintain. That's number one. And the second thing I'll say at the, at the end of the day, both with, for Elasticsearch and uh, Apache Druid, it's true, which is they don't support SQL. And so if you, again, have a, a kind of a very stream processing type of a situation here, where if you already know what questions you need ahead of time, then you can kind of denormalize data and, and, and do a bunch of these joins at right time as opposed to at query time. And you can build your you know, pipelines and data pipelines and all these things the other way, but there's no other system that gives you a fast SQL on fresh data out of the box, right? Like, uh, and that the lack of SQL also makes it very, very uh, challenging uh, to use these systems to power rich, modern, you know, data applications. That's great, Ben Cat. So now that you raised the Series B, what can your customers be expecting these developers the next year or two in the roadmap? I know there's a bunch of other technology improvements you guys are working on, but what's you know the near-term roadmap coming out from the team at Rockset? The biggest thing that we're working on and we'll uh, announce soon and, and keep building out to make it better and better is uh, private VPC deployments. 
the big reason is that why is it important for a technology like Rockset is that if you use a, a data warehouse, a lot of the time the data you're sending to the warehouse is corporate data. It's it's the data owned by you as a as an enterprise, and you get to figure out whom to trust and who not to trust. When you're building applications, invariably, a lot of the time, uh, our customers want to build applications on their end user data. And so there, I think the security perimeter, the compliance perimeter, all of that is very, very important. And so we are building this and, and announcing uh, that Rockset is available in private VPC deployments where we have a clean separation of a data plane and a control plane. And so the data perimeter will be within your AWS VPC and will be fully contained and, uh, and controlled by our customers. But we still have a control plane that at the infrastructure level will automate all the operations for them. And so it's really the best of both worlds where you get the low operational overhead and you get the, the flexibility and scalability of the cloud, but without having to you know, compromise even a little bit on your security perimeter or security and compliance requirements. And so, so we can meet the highest standards for security and compliance while providing every single benefit of speed scale and simplicity that Rockset offers for our customers. And probably in the coming years, we'll even make that flow self-service. That's awesome. So the breaking the speed scale barrier, but on my own data, my own VPC. Yes. If I'm a developer or, or customer and want to learn more and get started, what's the best way to get going with Rockset? We launched self-service like, you know, uh, since the very beginning. And so, yeah, you can go to rockset.com set up a, a free trial, you get an automatic uh, $300 credit and a two week period. And so you can go kick the tires, uh, try all the things we talked about, you know, resizing instances uh, and get a feel for query performance and scalability and all of that uh, free of cost. And so no credit card required. And so it's a very, very simple thing to get started. And you can test with public data sets if you have any not so sensitive data sets that you can just point at Rockset in a matter of minutes, you should be able to get, you know, get it up and running. And how do you charge a rock set? Is it by compute, by storage? For our managed uh, platform, there's three components. You pay for every byte of data that is ingested. There's a cost. It's about 10 cents per gig of data coming in. And then there is hot storage, which is how much data you are storing in the platform. That is a, a you know, per gigabyte month, there is a fee. And then for compute, as I was talking about, we have virtual instances, which are you know mini distributed compute clusters behind the scenes that uh, comes in a lot of sizes. It comes from all the way from two or four CPU virtual instances all the way to 512 or, or 1,024 uh, virtual CPUs in a in a single uh, virtual instance. And so yeah, the, the you can scale the compute based on your needs on query performance, query complexity, and the query uh, QPS and load that uh, your application needs. That's awesome. So once again, congratulations on Raising the Series B, Vancat. Thanks for coming by the Greylock Gray Matter Studios, and I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for hosting me, Jerry, and it's a pleasure. Uh, it's, you know, it, we have had a lot of fun working with you through these years, and I look forward to a lot more years uh, of working with Greylock, working with you, and thanks for hosting me uh, in this podcast.